0: We're going to turn tonight in our Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 2, 1 Kings chapter 2. We're going to read the first 12 verses together. Let's hear the word of God. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses that thou mayest be prosper in all that thou doest and whithersoever thou turnest thyself that the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me saying if thy children take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul There shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. Moreover, thou knowest also what Joab, the son of Zeruiah, did to me, and what he did to the two captains of the hosts of Israel, unto Abner, the son of Ner, and unto Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he slew and shed the blood of war and peace. And put the blood of war upon his girdle that was about his loins, and in his shoes that were on his feet. Do therefore according to thy wisdom, and let not his whole head go down to the grave in peace. But show kindness unto the sons of Barzillai the Gileadite, and let them be of those that eat at thy table. For so they came to me when I fled because of Absalom thy brother. And behold, thou hast with thee Shimei, the son of Girah, a Benjamite of Baharim, which cursed me with a grievous curse in the day that I went to Mahananim. But he came down to meet me at Jordan, and I swear to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put thee to death with the sword. Now therefore hold him not guiltless, for thou art a wise man. And knowest what thou oughtest to do unto him, but his whore head bring thou down to the grave with blood. So David slept with his fathers, and was buried in the city of David. And the days that David reigned over Israel were forty years. Seven years reigned he in Hebron, and thirty and three years reigned he in Jerusalem. Then sat Solomon upon the throne of David his father and his kingdom was established greatly. Now, my text tonight is taken from 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and verse um, 10 and 11. My theme tonight I've entitled, The Death and Burial of a Great Monarch. You see, according to 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 2, or chapter 2 verse 1 rather, King David is about to die. His days on earth are coming to an end. His life reign will soon be over. Remember he's known in the Bible as the son of Jesse, the shepherd boy whom God chose and anointed to be king, a brother to seven boys and two sisters, the champion who slew Goliath. The one who was hated by King Saul. The one who was hunted like a wild animal in the Judean wilderness by Saul. The one who led a civil war in Israel for seven long years. The one who became a father. The one who sinned greatly against the Lord with Bathsheba. The one who ruled Israel for 40 years. This is what the Bible tells us. And the days that David reigned over Israel were... 40 years, 7 in Hebron, 33 from Jerusalem, the, the royal city. Now he is 70 years of age. Now he is dying. His son Solomon's by his bedside. He has been already announced as the heir and successor. He's been appointed heir to the throne by David. Very soon, David is going to die and leave this world. And upon his death, The palace in Jerusalem would be plunged into mourning. There would be a period of natural mourning throughout the city and throughout the land of Israel. Other lands that are neighboring to Israel no doubt would have been affected. They'd hear the news. King David is dead. The enemies would probably rejoice. But his family, his friends, his followers, they would be sad. They would be full of remorse. They would mourn in their heart and in their life. And following his death, there would be a, a funeral service for David, I have no doubt, organized by Solomon. And I have no doubt it would be in a stately and magnificent affair. We read here in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 11, verse 10, So David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. Now, the death of a monarch involves a mourning period, whether long or short. Following the mourning period, there's a state funeral. And that state funeral should be a stark reminder of our own frailty and mortality. Remember, death is the inevitable reality for every single person. The reality of death is driven home because the Bible records Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And that brings us to the horrible, cruel, brutal death of Roman crucifixion. And because there is such a thing as the certainty and reality of death, every one of us should take time inwardly to reflect and prepare for that ultimate reality for us. You see, this period of mourning, This funeral service tomorrow, news that the Queen is dead, the the, the pamp and the pageantry of the Queen's funeral is a stark reminder to set aside time to have a quiet moment, to stop and think in life journey and ask yourself this question Am I ready? Am I prepared for death? to meet God in the judgment. I am prepared to stand before the living and the true God, the one who is holy and eternal, and yet ever merciful and ever loving. Am I ready to meet him? So that's what we're thinking about tonight, the death and burial of a great monarch. Three things. Think of the certainty of death. If you look at First Kings chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying, now, we'll, we'll pause there. Think of the words, and now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. Here's an awareness of death. David was aware. The family was aware. The courtiers would have been aware. David is old, an old man. He's frail. He's infirm. He's 70 years of age. He's gray-headed. His strength has failed him. He, he could testify, I'm not what I used to be in my youth. I could work and fight with the best of them. Now I can do neither. I couldn't sling a stone shot like I used to do or wield a sword the way I used to do. You see, over in the book of Psalms, in Psalm 71, um, the, the, the psalmist testified, and uh, this is what he says in uh, Psalm 71 and in the verse 9. Listen to the word of God. Psalm 71 verse 9, he said this, Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. Verse 18, now also when I'm old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not till I've showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. It's interesting that in his journals, John Wesley, when he was 85 years, he recorded this. I now find that I have grown old. My sight is decayed. I can't read small print without having a strong light. My strength is not what it used to be. I walk much slower now. The memory of names is so decayed. I've got the pause and stink to recall. My bodily infirmities, I, I feel them acutely. It's good to have the help of God to call upon. You see, we should live with an awareness of death. You know that the young may die. The old will die. And here's David, and he's got an awareness that death is near. He's gone down into the valley of the shadow of death. His son and family are at his bedside. He he doesn't know when. They don't know when, but it won't be long. And David is testifying to Solomon and he says in verse 2, I go the way of all the earth. In other words, I'm conscious of my frailty. I'm conscious of my mortality. I'm going to die, son. And he's given counsel to Solomon The future king Telling him what to do Telling him to put certain things in order Not only an awareness of death here But think of the approach of death He says I go the way of all the earth He's a dying man And yet he has no fear He's not full of dread or alarm We're witnessing the death of a godly man, a righteous man, the death of a good man. Remember in Psalm 23, verse 4, he could say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. In Psalm 23, verse 6, he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This godly king, this righteous, just man had a a, a personal saving relationship with God. In heaven, and he could say, The Lord is my shepherd. And even in this approaching death, he had the presence of the Lord with him. He was not alone, he was not afraid. He had a full and free and forever pardon of all his sins. I often think of those words in Psalm 32 Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Those are tremendous comforting words. A full and free and forever pardon. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, it's carried away. Whose sin is covered, covered with the precious blood out of God's side. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. That that means it's cancelled out. Can you get the picture? Carried away, put in the sea called forgetfulness. Covered over with the blood out of sight. Thy sins and iniquities I remember no more. And of course, cancelled out. A full and free and forever justification. He was in a state of peace. He says in another psalm, great peace of they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. The prophet Isaiah could say, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, his mind is stayed in thee, because he trusteth in thee. And you see, the psalmist could testify, In God I trust. Could I ask, What about you? What assurance have you got on the approach of death? Have you got the presence of the Lord with you? A full and free and forever pardon? Great peace, peace with God. But there was something else here very quickly. There's an appointment with death. Notice the words, now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. The days of David. You see, death just doesn't happen. Death is God's appointment. Hebrews 9.27 says, and so has it appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. Death is the doorway to God's eternity. It's the doorway to the Father's house. John 14, verses 1 to 3. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. It's the doorway to to mansions and glory. Spurgeon said, death is but God's vestibule to glory. You're stepping out of time into God's eternal presence. Do you know who wrote the words There's a time to be born and a time to die It was David's son It was Solomon The one who's at his father's bedside Who witnessed his father's death It was Solomon that penned it He had learned by experience He had heard his father say I go the way of all the earth And he understood what that meant There's there's an, an Awareness of death And death is approaching And death is appointed When do we die? It's by God's appointment. If you link it up in Psalm 90, remember the psalmist himself. Think of the prayer of Moses in Psalm 90. It says in verse 10 The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Some get 70, some are 80. Some are like Queen Elizabeth; they get 96. Others die in childhood. Others die in their youth. Certain individuals die in middle years. When do they die by God's appointment? Where do they die? Where did the Queen Elizabeth II die? In Balmoral, a home that she loved. That was by God's appointment. That that was by providential design. Where did King David die? Well, he died in Jerusalem and the royal palace in in the city of kings. Where will you die? God knows. Think of the way that people die. Some people die in their bed, just die in their sleep. Others die by car accidents. Incident or accident in the farm or the factory floor. A hospital bed. Death can be sudden and unexpected. Why do we die? Romans 5 and 12. Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and death has passed upon all men. For that all have sinned. Here's the reason for death. But when we think of death as an appointment. When, where, the way and why. Here's the question. Are we ready to meet God? Have we an awareness of our own frailty and mortality? Because that's what we should learn in the face of death. We should think about the approach of death. One day death's coming for me. The cold hand of death will come. Uh, Nothing can stop it. Didn't stop for King David. Didn't stop for Queen Elizabeth II. It's appointed. Are we ready to meet death? Can we say, in God I trust? Can we testify? There's a day and time when you were made alive unto God. You were born spiritually dead to God, to sin, to heaven and hell. Your soul salvation, Jesus Christ, and now you're alive to him. And one day you'll face physical death and you'll say, I go the way of all the earth. But you'll thank God that you're saved, that you're trusting in Christ. Remember the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And all who are in Christ will never taste eternal death, never know eternal separation from God because they're safe in the arms of Jesus. They're in Christ. There's the certainty in death. Very quickly, think about the reality in death. In 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 2, we read, I, or verse 1 rather, Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou therefore strong, and show thyself a man. You see, I want you to think when a monarch dies. See, here's the reality in death. The death of the monarch is the big news story. The death of Queen Elizabeth II is a big news story. Of the United Kingdom, 14 Commonwealth countries. This has been a sad 12 days of a mourning period. The news was sad, unexpected. It was a shock. You see, when the monarch dies, the whole of the country, the nation, is plunged into a time of crisis. And here's the reality in death there's a time of crisis. Remember in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 3, William read it this morning for us. King Uzziah reigned for 52 years. And then he died. We read, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. And you think of the people of God when King Uzziah died. Citizens who lived during the reign of King Uzziah, they were plunged into mourning. There was evident sadness. A godly king, he died, he had reigned a long time, he wasn't perfect, he wasn't sinless, but he chalked up some great successes during his life, the throne was empty, people were asking who's going to succeed him, there's going to be big changes, there might have been worry and uh, and despair about the future, but there was a time of mourning, a time of outpouring of grief from the royal house spread out across the country, and haven't we witnessed that and seen that? think of the hillsborough castle the queen's official residence the laying of flowers the people going there to see and to mourn we have seen people gathering at the war memorial with a service herself yesterday in tandogee we're thinking of a reef laying service there and other places I visited the corner of Crimea Street off the Shankill Road and there's a beautiful wall memorial there for Queen Elizabeth II. There's loads of flowers, there's cards. I was disappointed, I have to be honest, there was writing on the wall. Many of those little inscriptions on the wall said R.I.P. and I was thinking R.I.P. Well that's a prayer. May he begin to rest in peace. Is it biblical? And the answer is no, it's not. It's not used in the Bible. It's used by Roman Catholicism and other Anglicans. And I hear when people die so many unbiblical comments. She's an angel now. Or God needed another angel in heaven. Or here she's in a better place. Their suffering is now over. And what do they base such platitudes on? And I know they're trying to console themselves. In their time of crisis and grief. And I know they're trying to think positive. But, but we need to come back to what the Bible teaches. Physical death not the end. Remember death is the separation of the body and soul. The soul goes to one of two places. Either heaven with Jesus Christ. Or in the awful place called hell. For all eternity. Lazarus. Was taken immediately to paradise to be with Christ. The rich man in Luke 16 died and was buried in hell. Lift up his eyes being in torment. The dying thief, today shall thou be with me in paradise. The body of course awaits the resurrection. The person who dies without Christ is not resting in peace. Jesus said if you die in your sins where I am there you cannot be three times. Those who die in Christ... That's an entirely different. Blessed are the dead, the Bible says, which die in the Lord. But rest in peace is is framed as a prayer. May he or she begin to rest. Praying for the dead is unbiblical. There's no such place as purgatory. That's rooted in the teaching of Roman Catholicism. So here's the reality of death. There's a crisis. There's There's a mourning period for a family. And especially when a monarch dies for a country. But I want you to think of something else in death. Not only is there a crisis, but there's a comfort. And what's our comfort? Well, if we think of Uzziah being in the house of God in the temple, he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up and his and filled the temple. You see, when the earthly king died, Then the prophet of God went into the house of God and got his eyes on the Lord of glory. He was reminded that God is still on the throne. He saw one who was an everlasting king. He didn't turn his back on the Lord. He didn't turn to other things. No, he went into the house of God seeking the Lord and he saw the Lord high and lifted up the one who is eternal in his control over the nations. Isn't that the great comfort of the gospel, to get our eyes on the Lord, to think of Jesus Christ, Son of God, Saviour of the world, who's King of kings and Lord of lords now? Didn't Queen Elizabeth I put the Lord first in her life? She talked about the birth of Christ, the life of Christ, the teaching of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection, the second coming of Christ. This was a framework for her life. And here's Isaiah, and he's mourning, and he's in the temple, the house of God, the place of worship, and he sees Christ on the throne. He sees heaven's king, eternal and enduring. And in our mourning, we must turn to Christ in the throne. You see, we have to point men to Christ. Because Christ is our comfort in life and in death. We've got to assure people that the presence of the king is with us in his sovereign rule. Oh, there's a need today to turn to him. In a time of national grief, what do we do? We, We should turn to the Lord. I believe our united kingdom needs the light and liberty of the gospel. In Romans 5 and 8, we read, But God commended his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John 3 and 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We need to learn Jesus reigns. Jesus saves. Jesus keeps. And that will involve acknowledging past sins. That will involve repentance and giving our heart and life to Him because we've broken our, His law. That will involve humbling ourselves. And oh, how this united kingdom and its people need to humble themselves before the Lord. And in this time of crisis, get this comforting truth into our heart, I saw also the Lord. Because that's a mark of the grace of God. That's a mark of the work of God, that we're broken, we're ashamed, we confess our sin, we cry out for mercy. Oh, that we might humble ourselves before him. Oh, that we might recognize King Jesus. Oh, that we might have our sins challenged, wrongdoing put away, and bow the knee before him. See, here's the reality in death. Yes, there's a crisis, but there has to be a comfort. The king charged Solomon, his son, saying, Not only is there the presence of the Lord, but there has to be preparation. It's needed. And this is what the king was doing. He was preparing Solomon for the future. And you need to make preparation. You have to choose whether you die in your sins or you're dying in Christ, dying in the Savior, with all the certainty that that brings, with all the dependability that brings, with all the enormity of eternity. See, the Lord hasn't left his people without light. He hasn't forsaken them. He's on the throne and he's calling them. Don't need to see him in his position of power and realize his presence, but he, he's calling upon them to prepare and get right with him. That's the reality in death. That's what we want to instill within the people within Northern Ireland and this United Kingdom and beyond. I want to think of a third thing and it's this. The testimony in death. If you come down to 1 Kings chapter 2 and read with me in verse 10, so David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. Remember tonight that death is not something that's natural to us. Death was never originally the will of God, death only came into the world because of sin. Romans 5 and 12. That's why men die. Because of the entrance of sin in the world. And we read here of David and his death. So David slept with his fathers. What does that mean? It means David died. It means that David's soul left the body. Man dieth, wasteth away and giveth up the ghost. And where is he? Solomon or Job asked. See, death is not the end of life. Life continues. The soul departs the body and goes into the immediate presence of the Lord. But the body goes to the place of burial to await the resurrection. David said, I go the way of all the earth. Meaning, I'm going to die. And what happened to David? So David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. Remember dealing with the death? of a godly king a a king who died at peace with god A, a king who died in christ a king who left a clear testimony he he had no regrets i believe it was obvious and plain david had repented of his sin he'd got right with the lord there was no ambiguity here he was in a right relationship with the lord For we read in the scripture, so David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. In other words, he he followed in the same path. The death of a godly man, a God-fearing man. He left the world as his fathers had done, as his grandfather had done. He's following on the same path. He started with the Lord. He's ending with the Lord. The city of David, of course, is the oldest part of the city of Jerusalem. It's in the eastern part. And in the eastern part, I have been there. It's the burying place for kings. David was buried there. Solomon was buried there. Rehoboam was buried there. It's one of the high places. The city of David's known as the city of the king. And no vile person, no contemptible person is buried there. David remembers a man after God's own heart. Ecclesiastes 12 and 5 says, Man goeth to his long home, and mourners go about the streets. Note the order. Man goeth to his long home. In other words, man dies. And before the funeral, the man's already in his final abode. He's gone to the long house. He's gone to the Father's house as far as his soul and spirit is concerned. He's already received his heavenly abode. He's at the eternal home. His body awaits the resurrection on the day that body and soul will be reunited. You see, let me make this clear as we finish. For many, there's a difference in life. Because all people don't live alike There's godly people And there's ungodly There's righteous and unrighteous There's those that are saved And those that are not There's a difference also in death Remember Balaam asked the question So let me die the death of the righteous He knew there was two ways to die Either in sins or in the saviour The death of the righteous was different From the death of the unrighteous All people don't die alike And there's a difference in burial some are buried in the honor place, like the city of David, sleeping with his fathers. Others are not. You see, the Bible talks about certain kings. I haven't time to go into it. Hezai, uh, Joash, Asaph. They're not buried in the sepulcher of kings. Why? Because of the life that they lived. And it was a sign that they didn't leave a clear testimony. One that was obvious and plain. One without ambiguity and obscurity. And they weren't buried in the sepulchre. They were buried but not in the sepulchre. It's as if to make a difference. Even in burial. Between those that are truly righteous and godly. And those that are not. Here's the testimony in death. So David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. Let me ask this question. What kind of testimony will you leave when your time comes to depart this scene of time?